0: Good morning. Thank you for tuning in today. We're so grateful that you're part of the Mount Airy family today, even though you're watching from your living room or wherever it is that you may be watching. Uh, and wherever around the country you're watching from, we're grateful that you've tuned in today. Thank you for doing that. My name is Keith Shorter. I'm the pastor at Mount Airy Baptist Church here in Easley, South Carolina. And we have some big news we want to share with you, and that is next Sunday, Easter Sunday, April the 12th, We're going to have drive-in church. We're going to have two identical services, 9.30, 11 o'clock. You come in your car. We're going to ask you to stay in your car. Uh, The buildings will not be open, but we want you to come drive onto the church parking lot and let's have church together on Easter Sunday. We'll be giving you more information about that, but I wanted to make sure you knew that next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we'll have drive-in church. Also, we want to make sure that you know that we have We Worship for Your Children online. And so all you need to do is go to MountAryBaptist.com. On the front page, there's a button there that says Children's Message, and you can click that, it'll take you right to the We Worship site. And so your kids can enjoy that time of worship perhaps after this sermon today. Now I want to ask you a question. What do you do when God gives you a wake up call? You know, before we had these, when you'd go to a hotel, you'd call the desk, the front desk, and ask them to give you a wake-up call, and at 6 o'clock in the morning, that phone would jar you awake. But what do you do when life jars you awake? And especially, what do you do when God uses that which is jarring you to perhaps turn you back to Him? That's what we want to talk about today And the text we're going to be looking at is Jeremiah chapter 29. I've asked one of our pastors, Jason Reed, to come read that text for us. Just leave your Bible open because that will be the text that I'll be using today.
1: Jeremiah 29 verses 10 through 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon... I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord and will bring you back from captivity i will gather you from all the nations and places where i have banished you declares the lord and will bring you back to the place from which i carried you into exile let's pray together god we come to you and we're thankful that no matter where we are that we could come before you as a body of christ as brothers and sisters and we could hear from your word we can worship together Lord, you made that possible because of the work you did on the cross, and we come this morning thankful for that work. I pray this morning that, that our worship will be pleasing to you. I pray that you'll be with our pastor as he brings the word, that it'll, it'll change us. Lord, that no matter where we are, what we're doing, that when we're finished hearing from your word today, that we'll be challenged, and we'll be changed, and we'll look more like you. God, these are these are just trying circumstances that we're going through now. So I pray you'll give us creativity, give us opportunities to to continue to to share the gospel, to be the church. God, thank you so much for Mount Airy Baptist Church. I pray you bless this church, bless this community, not because we are good, but because you are good and we seek to please you and honor you. We thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for the opportunity to come before you today as a body of Christ. Use us in a great way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
2: In Christ alone my hope is found He is my light, my strength, my song This cornerstone, this solid ground Firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone. Who took on flesh Fullness of God in helpless faith This gift of love and righteousness for by the ones He came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid here in the
1: the world by darkness slain,
2: then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave He rose again, and as He stands calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stay.
0: Last week we looked at the most highlighted verse in the Bible, and this week we're going to focus on what is probably one of the most beloved verses in the Bible. Now that's not an official uh, designation but more of an observation on my part. Jeremiah 29 11 is one of those verses that many Christians commit to memory. It's one of those verses you write on graduation cards. It's one of those verses you share with people when they're sick or going through hard times. It's one of those verses we hang in our homes or we even hang it in our church. In fact we have a uh, this is a picture of our foyer over in our educational building, and Jeremiah 29, 11 is hanging there in the entryway. It makes a wonderful and beautiful promise that for a lot of us has been a lifeline when we go through difficult days. And here's what the verse says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, these days in which we're living, the battle between faith and fear is very real. Uh, People are going through serious problems right now. Not just minor inconveniences, but through serious problems. This worldwide pandemic is unlike anything we've ever experienced. Uh, I was just looking this morning that there are 197 different countries in the world. 197 countries in the world. And as of this morning... COVID-19 is in 204 countries and territories around the world. And it may still yet grow and get worse before it gets better. Now, I'm not going to be preaching what I'm calling COVID-19 messages indefinitely. Just maybe one or two more that I want to share with you today. And then we'll go to other things in the Word of God that will be hopefully an encouragement and a help to us as well. But I really feel like today is a day that we need to kind of turned back to a word of hope found in Jeremiah 29.11. But I, I want to make sure that we hear this verse and read this verse in its context. The year was 597 B.C., and the Jewish people had rebelled against God, repeatedly rebelled against God. They had turned a deaf ear to prophets that God had sent them, asking them to turn their hearts back to Him. They especially had turned a deaf ear to Jeremiah God's prophet, and now, well, now they were going to pay the price for their sin. Now they were going to pay the price for ignoring God over and over. So in 597 BC, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, led his army to surround and to conquer the city of Jerusalem. And once he conquered the city, thousands of Jews were forcibly removed from their homes in Jerusalem and were taken as captives to Babylon. Here's Jerusalem. Here's Babylon, which is in the present day Iraq. And in this day and time, when, when they would travel, they would probably travel this route. This is called the Fertile Crescent. You wouldn't go across this route, straight line, because you'd have to go across the Arabian desert. And so here's what happened. Uh, We have this historical reference in 2 Kings 24 that describes this Babylonian captivity as they were taken from their homeland in Jerusalem over to Babylon. Here's in 2 Kings 24, we have this historical record. As the Lord declared, Nebuchadnezzar removed all the treasures from the temple of the Lord and from the royal palace and took away all of the gold articles Solomon king of Israel had made for the temple of the Lord. He carried into exile, watch this. He carried into exile all Jerusalem, all the officers and the fighting men, and all the craftsmen, artisans, a total of 10,000. Only the poorest people of the land were left. Only the poorest people of the land were left. This was a time when the exiles lost nearly everything except their lives. They lost their freedom. They lost their homes. Many of them lost a way to make a living. Uh, They were living thousands of miles away from home. A lot of them were separated from their families. And of course, they were separated from Jerusalem. And most importantly, they were separated from the temple. Their only ray of hope was a man named Hananiah. Hananiah prophesied, he was a prophet, and he prophesied that within two years, God would bring all the people back to their homeland. Hananiah was trying to give everybody an encouraging word. He was trying to explain to everybody, just hang in there, and in two years, God's going to bring everybody back home. In fact, I want to show you this. You have your Bibles there to uh, Jeremiah 29. I hope you've already gotten that open there. I want you to go back one chapter to Jeremiah 28. and Let's look and see what Hananiah said. Jeremiah 28, verses 2 and 3. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon, and within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. So he said, listen, it's going to be okay. Within two years, God's going to break the yoke of Babylon and let you go home. Now, it's interesting how Jeremiah responded to this. It's still in chapter 28. Look at verse 15. The prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year, you're going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. And in the seventh month of that same year, Hananiah the prophet died. Imagine how discouraging it must have been for the people of God living in Babylon to realize that the one person who had good news, at least somewhat good news, was a fraud and a liar. And it was in the midst of those dark days that God wrote a letter to the people of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. In the midst of that dark time, depressing time, distressing time, God wrote a letter to his people in captivity through the prophet Jeremiah. Look in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into, into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now skip down to verse 10. Here's the letter that God wrote through the hand of Jeremiah. Verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Now, when you're hearing this for the first time, I wonder what you focus on. Do you focus on the last part of this promise? I will fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. I have a suspicion they never heard that part. Or if they heard it, they didn't really pay a lot of attention to it because of something else that is in that promise. Look at this right here. When 70 years are completed, God said, then I will bring you back. In other words, you're going to be there a while. I know Hananiah said two years. God wrote a letter that said, no, it's not going to be two years. It's going to be 70 years. But when 70 years are completed, then I will bring you back home. When 70 years are completed, I will break the yoke of captivity. When 70 years are completed, I'll let you come back to your homes and to the promised land. Now, let's put this in context. How would you feel if today the governor or the president got on TV and said, we just need you to know COVID-19 is going to be with us for 70 years? And in 70 years, we'll have this thing over. In 70 years, we'll be free from this. Well, you probably would feel a lot like they did. You would probably feel overwhelmed. You would probably feel very depressed and very distressed. And you would probably get angry. 70 years? God, that's not fair. 70 years? We've got to deal with this for 70 years? That's why verse 11 is so important. That's why verse 11 was such a word of hope to the people who read this and heard this for the first time. Look at verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You've got to keep that verse in context. In verse 10, God said, After 70 years, I will bring you home. And in verse 11, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You know what God was saying to His people? The same thing He needs to say to you and I today if we'll just listen. God was saying to His people that He had not forgotten them, even though it may feel like He had. God was saying to His people He had not forsaken them, even though it may look like He has. And I would say those same two things to you and I today. God has not forgotten you, and God has not forsaken you. And there in the midst of Babylon, exiled from their homeland, God had a message of hope for his people. Look at this verse again. For I know the plans I have for you. For I know, you may not know, I may not know, But God says, I know. In days that are distressing and in days that we can't comprehend, God says, you need to know something. I know the plans that I have for you. I saw a tweet recently that said, there are lots of things in life that are overrated, but hope is not one of them. I thought that was so good. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is simply having confidence in what God said because God said it. Having confidence in what God promised because God promised it. You see, Jeremiah 29, 11 gives us words of hope. And what I want to do is take that, that promise that God made right here. I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope in the future. I want to take that verse and just make for you today two very simple applications of that verse. They're very simple. You're going to be able to remember these easily. But I would encourage you maybe even to write them in your notes or in the column of your Bible. The two things that we find from Jeremiah 20.11 is this. First of all, God has a plan. God has a plan. I like what Pastor Ray Pritchard once said. He said, God knows what he's thinking even when we don't. Have you ever said, Lord, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Have you ever thought, this just doesn't even make sense anymore? Well, I've sure had those kind of thoughts, especially in recent weeks. God, what are you doing in this? And we're left wondering, together, we're left wondering, why is this happening? This is not just happening in one part of the country, it's the entire country. It's not just one country, it's the entire world. And so we all are left wondering, why is this happening? And here's what you need to remember In times like this, God has a plan. In fact, when you look at Jeremiah 29, 11, it's interesting that that you will see this idea of God's plans three times in this text, in this one verse. You'll see the word plans repeated three times. First of all, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. In other words, God said, I have a plan and this plan is personal. It's for you. There's another time we see the word plans. I have plans to prosper you. Not only are God's plans for you personal, but God's plans for you are prosperous. He intends to help you. And then there's a third time we see the word plans. Plans to give you hope and a future. Three times in this one verse we see the word plans. Three times God says, I've got a plan for you that's personal. I've got a plan for you that's prosperous. I've got a plan for you that's that's positive. But now listen to me. The problem with that verse is that it doesn't make a lot of sense when you're living in captivity in Babylon. How do you believe God has a plan when you're facing the most difficult days of your life? You know what that's like, don't you? We all know what that's like. How do you believe that God has a plan If all you hold dear is suddenly snatched away? How do you believe that God has a plan when you lose your job? How do you believe that God has a plan if your health disappears and you get COVID 19? How do you know, how do you believe that God has a plan if someone you love dies from this virus? And what do we do when we're living in the middle of a crisis? How do we process this when we're part of a worldwide pandemic? I was reading a a blog by Trevin Wax, and the title of the blog was Too Shocked to Pray. tells a story in the blog of his mother-in-law who lives in Romania who was told that she had aggressive tumors in her body And she had been in good health up until that diagnosis. But suddenly, she lost 20 pounds in two weeks. And here's what he wrote in his blog as he described what he and his family went through during those days. He said, For two days I was unable to pray. How strange it felt to be unable to spiritually breathe. It was as if the wind had been knocked out of me. No words would come. And my inability to pray did not stem from anger towards God or faithlessness to His purposes, but from the shock that paralyzed my heart. Then he said, listen to this, I felt Him, but I couldn't talk to Him. Powerful. I was too shocked to pray. I felt Him, but I couldn't talk to Him. Maybe you know what that's like. Maybe you know what it's like that your world is so different now. You know that God is real. You know that God is there. But right now, right now you're struggling just to talk to Him. We all go through those dark days eventually. There'll be times when we can't read our Bible. There'll be times when we're not able to focus our thoughts. There will be times when we're not able to talk to God. So I just want to say to you this week, when fear and worry starts to seep into your life, when fear and worry begins to grip your soul, you need to remind yourself God has a plan. I don't know what it is. I don't like the plan that I see unfolding. I don't know when this plan is going to get any better. But you need to preach to yourself and say, God has a plan. Declare by faith that God hasn't stopped caring for you. That He hasn't stepped off of His throne. Nor has He turned His back on you. God has a plan. You just preach to yourself and say, I don't know, but God knows. I don't know what He's doing, but God knows what He's doing. Therefore, I will simply trust. That God has a plan because God said He does. And whatever God has promised, I will claim. Not only does God have a plan, but this verse also shows us that you have a choice. Now here's the hard part. Listen carefully. Sometimes Babylon is better for us than Jerusalem. I know that sounds strange, and you might even get upset with me for even suggesting it. But I want you to look at verses 12 and 13. We're going to put it here on the screen. Look at what God says here. Verse 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me, and I will come to you. And and I will come and, and... Let me try again. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me. With all your heart. I want you to notice an important phrase in verse 13. Seek me with all of your heart. You know what God is saying to the people in Babylon? Same thing he's saying to us today. You can find God if you really want to. Even when you're living in the most difficult days of your life. God's not hiding. You can find God if you want to even in days of a worldwide pandemic. But let me say this to you. You know what this phrase, seek me with all of your heart, indicates? God does not reveal himself to half-hearted people. You know why God placed the people of Israel in captivity in Babylon? If you were to say, well, pastor, as I understand it, they were in Babylon as punishment for their sins. If you were to give that answer, you would be partially right. I really believe God had a bigger plan than simply punishing them for their sins. And I say that because of what I see in verse 14. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I really believe as I study this text that God put his people in Babylon so that they would seek him in a way they had not done in Jerusalem. Sometimes God puts us in difficult places so that we will seek Him more than we seek anything else. You see, God has a plan for this worldwide pandemic. And please don't miss this. Our tendency is to say, okay God, what's your plan? I mean, just explain it to me and I'll be okay with it. Explain why this is happening. Explain when it's going to get better. And just kind of lay out the plan for me, and and I can accept it. God, what's your plan? But as I look at what God said to the people in Babylonian captivity, and I believe what He says to you and I today, God never tells us to seek His plan. God tells us to seek Him. And maybe that's the reason we get so frustrated. Maybe that's the reason we get so angry. Maybe that's the reason we get so scared. It's because perhaps we're trying to understand God's plan rather than simply making sure each day we're seeking Him. See, God tells us to seek Him. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if you're living in a difficult situation, and I know all of us are, and some of you are living in in far more difficult circumstances than some of the rest of us, but maybe, just maybe, Babylon is where we'll find God again. Maybe, just maybe, Babylon is a wake-up call. Living in the worst days of our lives could be the best thing that ever happened to us? If we decide to seek Him. You see, this is not the time to worry. This is the time to seek Him. This is not the time to fear. This is the time to seek Him. This is not the time to blame. This is the time to seek Him. This is not the time to ask why. This is the time to seek Him. Jerusalem is a wonderful place to live, but sometimes Babylon is the place we end up finding the God we have neglected. God is gracious. So gracious that He does not turn His back on us, even when we turn our back on Him. So He sent His people into captivity, for 70 years, into the worst days of their lives, for 70 years. Not just to punish them, but to bring them back to Him. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Keith, how can I do that? Practically speaking. How can I do that? I've got three things that I want to close with, uh, just application of how we can seek the Lord in these desperate days with all of our heart. Here's the three things I, I would say to you. First of all, ground yourself in worship. Ground yourself in worship. In a season of fear, a season of unknowns, in a season of loss and disappointments, I think we need to make sure that we are singing songs of worship the Lord, because when we sing songs of worship, it shifts our atmosphere, it shifts the atmosphere around us, and it it, it changes our hearts, it changes our outlook, it can even change our lives. Maybe I could say it to you this way, turn your worries into worship. The Old Testament almost preached on Jehoshaphat. There's a story, I believe it's in 2 Kings, of of Jehoshaphat facing a, a great challenge, and they they, he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And they just, the choir began to sing and they began to worship, and God delivered them. I was listening to a song this morning I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I know the choir is doing this thing on Facebook, kind of a choir challenge. They're basically saying, what's the song that's getting you through this? And, and somebody would post their favorite song. And the next day, somebody will post their favorite song. And I, I just love that because we're really just saying, you know what? We're going to turn our worries into worship. We're going to ground ourselves in worshiping the Lord, even in desperate days. You will seek me and find me when you seek me, God says, with all your heart. One way to do that is to ground yourself in worship. And number two, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest if anything happens during this time, if anything good comes out of this time, one of the things that ought to come out of this time is that we together are turning our hearts back to the Lord, that we're growing closer to the Lord each day. And if you're in the midst of this distressing time and and perhaps you're just scared out of your mind, ground yourself in worship and strengthen yourself in the Lord. Focus every day on your relationship with Jesus Christ. More so than you ever have. Focus every day on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Number three, immerse yourself in repentance. Immerse yourself in repentance. On my phone, I have four different prayers that I'm praying every day. And one of those prayers is found in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We're all familiar with 2 Chronicles 7. Verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. In this time... As we're seeking the Lord, we need to immerse yourself in repentance. Is there anything in your heart right now that is not honoring God? Anything in your life right now that is not honoring God? Anything in your home right now that is not honoring God? This is a time you ought to be examining carefully, closely. God, what do I need to do to be right with you? Devin Franklin said, use this time to allow God to reset your mind To reset your heart and to reset your priorities. I hope that we can all look back on this time years from now. We can all look back on this time of the coronavirus and say, you know what? I grew in my faith in God during that time more so than any other time. It was a time of great spiritual growth for me. It was a time when I just grew to love the Lord more. Speaking of that, I want to ask you a question Are you a Christian? You know, we all have more time, perhaps, than we've ever had, at least in recent years, to think about our relationship with God. We all do. We're confined. We're isolated. We've got more time to think than we've had in a long, long time. One preacher said, God's put us in time out. And in a way, He has. And in that time when we're separated and isolated, it's a great time for you to examine your own life. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. So I want to ask you today, have you clearly put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you clearly put your faith in Jesus Christ? Second Corinthians six, 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you so much that he died on the cross. He experienced the wrath of God against sin, your sin and mine, as he died on the cross. And the Bible says that if you place your faith in what Christ did on the cross, not in your goodness, but in his graciousness, if you place your faith in Christ, that you can be saved, you can be changed. You see, there's something worse than the coronavirus. There's something worse than dying. And that is dying without a relationship with God. How awful it would be if we all were very careful to make sure we didn't get the disease. But we weren't careful about what's going to happen after this life is over. See, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. You will either spend eternity in a relationship with God in heaven because of Jesus Christ. Or you'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. Because you rejected Jesus Christ. It, it would be great if today you examine your own heart. And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you could pray a prayer like the one I want to lead you in. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads right where you are. And I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. There's nothing magical about the words. It's just, do you mean this from your heart? And are you saying it not to me, but are you saying it to the Lord? So if you, for the first time in your life, would like to clearly claim Christ as your Savior, you pray this prayer with me. Let's pray together. You can just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And today, I declare my faith that Christ died on the cross in my place for my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. I repent of living the way I've been living, and I turn my life over to you. So come into my life and save me. Give me a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I claim that today by faith, and I thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you've prayed that prayer with me today. And if you have, I would love for you to contact us. Just email the church office. You can get on the website and find the address. And just let us know that you've prayed to receive Christ today. We'd love to send you some material to help you get started in your new relationship with God. In closing, I really believe that all that we're facing is a wake-up call. And there's two things I want you to remember. God has a plan. You have a choice. That's true for all of us. God has a plan. God has a plan for coronavirus. It's a worldwide pandemic. God has not stepped off his throne. God has not turned his back on us. God has a plan. You have a choice. And the choice is, will you seek him with all of your heart? Will you turn your heart to him? Will you trust Him in a way perhaps you've never done before? Thank you for tuning in today. I hope that you'll join us next Sunday. If you're here locally, come to the parking lot for Drive-In Church as we celebrate the risen Lord on Easter Sunday. God bless. Thank you so much.